0: Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy and soulfully grown. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Beautiful Business Podcast. My name is Yuan Sang, part of the Beautiful Business team and this week I was joined by Alex Holliman. Alex is the founder and managing director of Climbing Trees, a B Corp certified, forward-thinking, ethically-minded PPC and SEO agency who are experts at Google and Facebook ads. Alex leads a team of 16 talented digital marketing experts who are on a mission to create a positive impact for their clients and the planet. Before this, Alex spent 20 years working in global media giants and independent agencies. Alex is all about trying to do business in a better way, advocating for positive change. And Climbing Trees is working hard towards its goal of becoming net zero and are in the process of planting 1 million trees by 2030, with 265,000 already in the ground. Let's start off with the first topic, which is creating client superheroes. I'm Alex, I love the idea of this because I love the concept of empowering your clients. So I'm really keen to hear and find out a little bit more in terms of your background into your experience of working with these bigger clients at these bigger agencies in your previous roles.
1: Yeah, so my first role in the industry was working for subsidiary Asati and Sarchi in the 90s. And I then went on to work for three of the top five media agencies in the world. And I think they have an exceptional approach to client servicing. And so I think that's something that's just been, I was going to say, beaten into me, but you sort of pick up this approach via osmosis. So I think throughout my career, I've not necessarily been the most technically gifted, but I think something I've really done is empathised with clients, the positions they're in, and then tried to support them in their roles. And so I think that's definitely something that I came out of London to work for a startup in 2001, which we grew to a 25 million turnover business, and I wasn't part of the senior leadership team there or anything. But that client servicing aspect is like critically important in terms of, Understanding their objectives, understanding their positions internally, understanding the stresses that they're under, and then really trying to double down on it. So I've worked on accounts like Lloyd's TSB, Waitrose, London Zoo, through to a lot of retail accounts
0: in the Steinhoff Group, through to the clients we've got Climbing Trees Today. I guess when you work for these big agencies as well, it is such a competitive landscape to be working in and in order to have that kind of connection with your clients to have that i guess just that stickiness of retaining them as a client for them to look to you then you do need to kind of build these bridges you do need to forge these connections and as you say understand the context that they're working in better than anybody else does
1: Yeah. And I think when you're competing with other agencies that would happily come and eat your lunch or you're working collaboratively with external PR companies or creative agencies, you have to really make sure that there's always like a um, cycle that really big accounts go through and you want to be the agency that's furthest away from the door. And so to do that, you just have to try and stay as close as possible to the client. And I think that There's certainly an opportunity for smaller agency, the one that I worked for from 2001 to 2010, we went from four people to maybe 25, 30 or whatever it was. And we were able to outmanoeuvre a lot of large network agencies by just having that really caring passionately about looking after the client.
0: Absolutely brilliant. It sounds quite basic, but the reality is is not everybody does it. There's lots of very big distractions that are out there, especially when you're running your own agency, when you're running your own company, making sure you hit payroll every month, doing this, doing the other, all these other things. But I guess from your experience, keeping that connection, keeping that understanding, what comes across to me, Alex, is staying really curious about what's going on in your client's world, like just being interested, wanting to know what's happening.
1: Absolutely. And I think we sort of undertook that kind of work where going into the pandemic and then into lockdown, we've had the cost of living crisis, we've had inflation, we've had Brexit, and really trying to understand how those impact our clients and what that means for their day to day role, the internal targets they've got, their performance, because, you know, marketing people in clients are always under pressure. And is one of the shortest lived tenures on the C-suite. So there's a lot of pressure that people are under. So as an agency, we can support them
0: and try and make some of that pain go away. I love that. And when we spoke, you talked a little bit about emotionally connecting with clients. What do you mean when you say this and why is it important to you?
1: Well, I think there's different types of clients. There's some that would just like super professional. They want the work done. They don't really want a lot of personable relationship with you. And that's fine. We've got others whereby we have a personal relationship with them, whereby we'll know a little bit about them personally. They'll know a little bit about us. There's a connection on a sort of deeper, more personal level. And so I think it's understanding their position, who they are as people, and then trying to just give them work in a rhythm that really makes them have an impact in their roles. So sometimes it's like, you know, in agencies, clients can almost become the enemy. And whereas I sort of think if you can get to a point where you're not being reactive, but being proactive, understanding what they want before they know they want it and continually pushing, I think that puts you in a very, very good position as an agency. Definitely.
0: How did you, because I guess it's almost like a bit of a balance that you need to do in the sense that You want to be proactive. You want to almost help your marketing contact or your clients kind of navigate the journeys that they need to make within the organizations that they are working for. But how do you kind of make that balance between, I suppose, not being too, almost certainly not being too pushy in many ways. So I think that in my mind, I do love that approach. But I think certainly in my experience, there's been times when I think, oh, do you know what? Maybe that was just a bit too far. I mean, how do you navigate that balance so successfully? Well, I don't know that I do it so successfully, but I'm a technical founder so I used to
1: sort of almost think of sales as something that used car people did or double glazing salesmen. I'm sure there's some nice double glazing salesmen and used car salesmen. I've yet to meet them. But anyway, I always used to think sales was quite a dirty thing. I think there's um, an opportunity where we're a performance marketing agency. So what we do, we can help clients drive sales where we can actually build a model that demonstrates a very clear return on investment. With that in mind, there are various routes to market that we offer clients, and you can max out on Google Ads, so then it makes sense to consider Bing Ads. If you're then, you have know, then getting as much visibility as you can on paid search, you can look at organic search or you can look at paid social or affiliate marketing or programmatic or any number of other services that we offer. I think there's a point where I sort of moved from it's probably a consultative sales role, or sometimes actually just like taking a booking from a client and just saying, okay, you want some paid search? We'll give you some paid search. To actually trying to move a little bit further upstream and actually move into a more strategic position where you can actually say, okay, based on what we know your objectives are, these are the things that we can do. And so what we've tried to do is understand the rhythm of our client's business, whether it's a calendar year or a financial year, and ahead of the end of whatever year that is, we then undertake a full internal review of large client accounts where we look at what we've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and then what we try and do is then sell into them. Here are some other options that we think will have impact on your business based on what we know about it. So rather than just going around the block year after year doing the same thing, we're then able to move into being a strategic partner for them.
0: And that's an incredible place to be if, you know, if they come to you, rather than just saying, this is what we want done, please really help us do it. you actually. And, and
1: I think we have a broad range of clients. The larger ones we do that piece of work for, some of the smaller ones that are, we picked up in the earlier stages of the business, we perhaps don't. So.
0: But I guess our conversation is very different. Rather than, can you do this, how much will you charge us for you to do it? To the question then becomes, what should we do? What is it we need to do? And what would you say that we ought to do? So it's a very different conversation, I guess, that you have with your clients away from the tactical things to be done and more into that strategic level. Absolutely.
1: I think we've got some clients who are strategically very well equipped. So they will just come to us and say, okay, I would like you to take care of this. And that's fine. But then there are others whereby we help them with that piece so they can navigate some of the world that we move in quite seamlessly.
0: That's really nice. And just back to your point that you just said around, you do a review of all your big clients and have a look at what has worked and what hasn't worked. So that, just to be clear, Alex, that's a an internal review, something that you've done with your teams on the stuff that you've done for clients, the activity that you've delivered for your clients?
1: Yeah. So that's a proactive thing that we do. And we probably take, because there's a rhythm to our our client's business and ours, we probably take about a couple of months to pull that together. We prepare an agenda. And then now that we're out of the pandemic world, we're trying to get face-to-face with clients and then present to them, this is what's really worked. These are areas that didn't work. These are things that we trialed that didn't work. This is what we could have done better. And then just say, based on what we know, these are some options that we can move forward with. So that's the sort of stuff we're talking about in that regard, is a lot of paid social, advertising on TikTok, and then programmatic display as well. I see.
0: I just want to get this clear in my head because I think it's a wonderful thing to do is the stuff that you play back to your clients in these sessions, these kind of strategic playback sessions. Is it limited just to their activity with you or do you give them like a holistic view over, you know, all the clients that you've had going through the agency? So we
1: typically, so we present what we've done for that specific client. Got you. What we're introducing, we've got a new team member on board. And so we are going to start preparing sort of deep dives into our client's market. So to look at them versus their competition, how they stack up in a number of comparable ways so that we can give our client the feel for what where they
0: are and then what they're doing versus the competition. That's incredible. I think that kind of segues quite nicely into the next question I had around empowering clients, because I think it certainly sounds like with this kind of, it's almost like a toolkit that your clients have of, I guess, in the immediate instance, an overview of what they've done with you, what has worked, what hasn't worked, you know, things you can do a bit more of, things you probably do a bit less of. But coming on further down the line, coming online, this market view, and I guess just more kind of information, more education, more data points, more insights that you're able to give your clients and empowering them to make decisions and, you know, ask for more budget or make changes internally.
1: Absolutely. And I think I've probably been a little bit backwards when I was more in the driving seat with clients about actually asking for more budget or generating those ideas because I didn't want to be too salesy. But I think that we have an approach that is, if the client buys into conceptually what we're proposing and we genuinely feel that this is going to make an impact on our client because we typically pick, what, you know, if we win a client, we will hold on to them for a lot of years. So we don't want to burn that relationship just to get an extra commission or retainer per month. We'd rather do the right thing by a client so I think it's that authenticity. And then sometimes, you know, there are things we will try where it doesn't work, where we're not able to achieve the numbers we thought would we would, or whether return on ad spend isn't positive, or something's just not worked. And I think to unpack that, you earn a lot of trust, because usually agencies will push that stuff to one side, and then talk about all the stuff they've done well, and just avoid those sort of awkward conversations.
0: How do you approach that then? Because I guess there's a bit of framing to be done almost before you even start the activity. As you say, you mentioned like some of these, I say, newer channels like TikTok and things like this, which I guess is relatively new medium for a lot of people. Is there an element of framing that activity before it runs so that if it doesn't go right or if it doesn't go as expected, when you have the retrospective at the other side of it, you've got a bit of air cover, as it were? Absolutely. So it's managing expectations going into it. So that on the
1: other side, if you go into it saying TikTok's going to change your business and it doesn't, you've shot yourself in the foot. If you say we're undertaking this as a trial, we intuitively think this is really going to work for you, but it might not. Let's try it. If it's framed as a trial, if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then you know you've managed the expectation. I think it's, you know, being consistent with the promise that you deliver on
0: yeah indeed and i guess it it comes back up to that level of conversation that you have with your clients alex around being able to say look we've seen some really interesting activity in on tiktok for the clients in the space or whatever might be we think it's worth giving it a try it's a very different conversation isn't it as opposed to how many ads do you want us to buy here you know what do you want us to set the monthly spend for on facebook for you it's a different conversation
1: absolutely i think we're able to have that conversation probably by dint of historic performance we've earned their trust we've delivered results we've helped clients move from one million turnover to five million from five million to 20 million or whatever it is so that trust in our results and our opinion is then earned and i think there's a process to onboarding new clients whereby sometimes we know that where we can make an impact on clients and there's almost a hierarchy of performance and once you've sat pulled on all the existing demand then what we try and focus on is creating new demand for clients and so it's that area the creating new demand that places like
0: social tiktok and programmatic will help. Indeed. So just talk me through that approach. I suppose it feels very, it just feels very sensible, very logical and very strategic in terms of how you handle these accounts right from the off almost, as you say, the onboarding of the clients, there's that expectation setting sounds there's real transparency around objectives and results and things like this so that when you come to the retrospective you come to the playback you can say right we said we're going to do this we did it and you see that kind of level of trust starts to build up and starts to build up it sounds very deliberate and i'm going to assume that it is deliberate is there kind of like a playbook or a manual that you use at climbing trees that takes them through this journey
1: There's not, but Will, who's in charge of our sort of automation and the systems and processes in the agency, would love for there to be one. I think it's something that's born out of experience, probably mistakes, and then we've sort of synthesized this approach. And I think between myself and Frankie, who are in charge of onboarding new clients, sales, new business, and then the delivery team, there's a matchup in terms of what we set. So
0: I think it's just something we do intuitively. We will have a playbook one day. (laughs) It just says to me, just a a really efficient, really well-oiled kind of machine that puts that kind of building of client trust right in the center of it. Because that's what unlocks, as you say, it unlocks that bit of... um, Discretionary kind of um, budget almost, a discretionary kind of loosening of the leash almost. I've with agencies and been involved with agencies in the past where, you know, they speak in spreadsheets. It's an IO and it's got how many, what kind of budget, target impressions, which channel. And that's how they communicate with the client through a spreadsheet. And it's just like, it's soulless.
1: And I think absolutely, we live and die in very horrible looking numerical spreadsheets. <laughs> However, I think what we try and do is articulate that in the onboarding in terms of sales and then the account management side of
0: things. Fantastic. And I think that takes us quite nicely onto the last question on this section. It seems to have gone really quickly, actually, Alex, is around winning this new business and bringing clients on board. And I'm very interested here about the Greenpeace tender that you won. Can you give us a quick lowdown on what this is? Because in terms of dream clients for purpose-led businesses, getting a bit of work with Greenpeace is pretty impressive.
1: Absolutely. And I think to my back, so I've worked on really, really large accounts. And then when I set up the business Climbing Trees in 2010, we then started working with smaller independent companies. And there's been a slow process. So we picked up Volvo Construction a number of years ago. We picked up Olympus Cameras, which we run on a pan-European basis. And then I think that we got invited to pitch for Greenpeace from a recommendation from one of our charity clients. So we've got about 10 or 15 that we work on at any one time. And We got invited to tender. that approached five agencies. Our response could be two pages. And between Greenpeace and us, we had a matching colour scheme, which we highlighted in the document. So we tried to bring in a bit of personality. I think the ability to actually technically make what we do as a business sing was limited. And so when we sent that in, I recorded a two-minute video where... Just had a mobile phone set up and just recorded this video to the mobile phone using my dodgy Essex accent. And I just said, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is where we're going as a business. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about B Corp and purpose and that kind of thing later on. But I definitely alluded to that about wanting to be the kind of business that the world actually needs. I don't know why they appointed us, but they did appoint us from that. And so to work with a global brand like Greenpeace, who are in terms of purpose and actually trying to drive change out there in the world, I think is um, a fantastic thing. I think now they are a client of ours. We know the meticulous care and attention that they take to everything so their standards are really really high and so I think technically with work we try and do that but we try and be the kind of business that or the best kind of business that we can be I guess
0: fantastic other than I guess almost the raising of your internal standards to kind of match up it's quite an interesting turn of phrase that you put there around making sure that you met their expectations and you saw the way that they worked and the level they worked what other kind of impact did it have on climbing trees to have to bring a client like Greenpeace on?
1: I think there's a certain degree of confidence that it gave us. I think the team that work on it, Will, who leads that account... So I don't actually do any of the work. So Will that leads the account... We've done a massive amount of work on it and we genuinely look after our charity clients and so we deliver tremendous value to them. Will's work. We won, I think, three or four awards last year based on the work for Greenpeace. And so we have really, there's almost like a stacking. it's like you're going to get a stacking of voice search, AI, and the metaverse and there'll be something that comes out of that sort of stack which really works and is a really tangible output. I think for us, where we've got the services we do, the team on board, and the clients, it's those purpose-driven clients where there is a real meaning that's inherent in the work that we do. Fun.
0: And I guess it must have quite an impact as well in terms of attracting talents and you know the types of candidates that might come and work for you or look for opportunities to work for climbing trees. Would you say that having a client like Greenpeace does have that positive impact, not just internally in terms of the way that people work and the standards and the level that they work to, but also in terms of the candidates that's coming through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the first time over the last two or three years, we've moved from maybe not having the best employer branding to one that's the best it's ever been. And so we like retain our staff and the attraction of staff of the best quality that we ever have done. And so we regularly, there's a through flow of CVs that we are unfortunately not always able to offer jobs to, but the talent that we
0: get sort of approaching us is absolutely phenomenal. That's fantastic. It does really go to show, doesn't it? If you do get that kind of business development approach, you get real clarity on what your agency is about, the value that you can bring and if you're able to articulate it really well by the sounds of things you know even with your dodgy Essex accent in a two-minute video the impact can be really profound. Absolutely and
1: I think there is a generation that's entering the workforce or in the workforce that wants to work for a business that is actually leaning into some of the problems there are in the world and actually trying to do something positive about it rather than just carrying on with the same old mantra of business as usual they're actually trying to do something different and so
0: you know. Yeah 100% we covered it a few times in some of the interviews that we've done with Beautiful Business. younger generations are coming through the workforce, they look for different things compared to baby boomers and the Gen Xs of of the world. And the world's really, really different. But I guess back to the topic of this podcast about creating client superheroes, if you're able to empower your clients, if you're able to understand the worlds that they work in, and I guess with a client like Greenpeace, having such a thorough understanding of the worlds that they work in, the pressures that are under, but also by the sounds of things, real insight in terms of the passion that they bring to their work as well means that your agency operates as you say on that level
1: absolutely and we've got members of the team that were greenpeace activists or worked for the world wildlife fund so there is that real synergy there so great stuff
0: thank you so much to alex from climbing trees for joining us in this episode of the beautiful business podcast i really enjoyed our chat and i hope you enjoyed listening to it thank you thank you for joining us for this week's beautiful business podcast beautiful business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society, and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk